0: Welcome back, King of Kings family. So happy to be with everyone uh, this Sunday as we worship and thank you to the team. Uh, Interestingly, you saw a uh, a highlight video from one of our local congregations uh, here in Israel. Uh, We want to be able to show you all of the different campuses and the different ministries that God has put together with our King of Kings family. So Melech Hamlechim, Pastor Oded, he's doing a wonderful job at one of our Hebrew-speaking campuses. I am actually traveling right now, and uh, I've been blessed to partner with First Melissa here in the great state of Texas. I'm in the United States at the moment, and uh, they've allowed me to use their facility today to record uh, the Word of God. So thank you guys and Pastor Trey and Kevin and everyone else helping us today. We sure appreciate your help. We want to welcome everybody who's watching all around the world today. Usually we have somewhere between 30 and 40 countries watching. So thank you for joining the King of Kings family and King of Kings community today, whether you're watching online through YouTube or King's Community Live or Facebook Live. We welcome you. We trust that you're going to have a great time in the Word of God today. Speaking of the Word of God, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to our first verse today. Uh, We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We are in the second part of a series uh, that we call transforming power and today our sermon title is going to be substance now if you missed our last sermon series which was called magnetism you can go catch that on our archives kkcj.org and last week pastor ray launched us in this new series called transforming power you see you hear me often say this friends god accepts us as we are But he loves us enough to not leave us that way. Sometimes that message gets lost in today's world. Uh, You see, the gospel of Yeshua comes with the expectation of transformation. And that's really what we're focusing on during this particular series is the transforming power of God. Remember, he loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you that way. In the gospel itself, when Yeshua taught it, he promised that the gospel would come with power. Uh, Many of us may be surprised at just how often the word power is used in conjunction with the gospel and how we're supposed to preach the gospel, the salvation message, the invitation of eternal life that Yeshua gave us. Let's start with Acts chapter 1. Pastor Ray went over this last week and I'm going to review that. But let's start in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 8. Here's a guarantee the Lord gave us. Then they gathered around him, they they being the disciples, him being Yeshua. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you see, friends, that was a promise of power. It was basically saying this. When you say yes to Yeshua being your Savior, your Lord, and your King, the gift that is freely given to you beyond just salvation and eternal life is the indwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes upon you. It is a gift that is bestowed upon us. And the evidence of this promised power is what the apostles had to walk in. You see, they had to use the power of God... In their everyday life and ministry to show the realities of God to the world around them. It was never meant for the gospel to go forth with no power. That's not even how Yeshua preached the gospel to the apostles. That's not even how he trained them. He actually trained them with the expectation that not only would their life change, but they would be endowed with power that they would be able to change the life of others through all kinds of miracles. I'll bring you another text that falls in line with this from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power that they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You see, the apostle Paul understood that when we speak of the kingdom message, when we speak of its realities, That word, it's not just a matter of talk. It's not just a matter of can you convince somebody. It's not just a matter of how how do you think and how can you make them think. Remember, if you can talk somebody into something, someone else can talk them out of it. But the apostle Paul understood, just like Yeshua, that the kingdom of God was not necessarily a matter of talk, but it was a matter of power. And Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 4... That there are some false teachers. There are some arrogant men who are teaching something different than the Lord taught. And the way Paul knows to decipher between truth is not just what is being said, but the power that is flowing through the teacher. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, it is the evidence. It is the seal. It is the sign and the symbol that God is backing the words that are being spoken. Let me give you our first key phrase tonight. We cannot accomplish the Great Commission or our God-given destiny without the power of God. Friends, you can't even accomplish. We can't even do what the Lord told us to do in the Great Commission without the power of God. Preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching people. Well, one of the things that convinces people to come to faith is not just talk, but the visible, tangible, experiential power of God that flows through us through the promised Holy Spirit. And so we cannot even accomplish the Great Commission without this power. We cannot even accomplish God's God-given destiny in our lives without this power. And I think for far too long, friends, we may have been trying to live a holy life, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, to live in righteousness, to reach out to others, to make an impact. We've been trying to do this without embracing the idea that God is supposed to be flowing through us with his mighty power. We can polish things up. We can say it right. We can invite people to the congregation, to our small groups, to our discipleship classes, to our prayer tower. We can feed the homeless. But if we try to do all of this just from good strategy, and we try to do all of this with just good thinking, and we try really hard to live a righteous life within our own strength, we're going to fall short. It's not until the power of God is released in our life do we have the capacity to accomplish both the Great Commission and our God-created destinies. You see, Paul has this view of the gospel. Paul regularly preaches the gospel and always attaches it with the expectation of power. Let me take you to another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this time. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquent or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Yeshua the Messiah and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Friends, I'm going to teach you something Something tonight. This is a new revelation to me, at least being able to articulate it this way. Did you notice in that verse that our faith rests on God's power? Our faith rests on God's power. Now you're thinking to yourself right now, you're thinking, wait a second. I was always taught that my faith rest on the grace of God that there's nothing I can do to earn God's grace. Now, listen, I'm going to parse this out a little bit. Your salvation rests on God's grace, but your faith rests on his power. That's our key. Second key phrase tonight. Our salvation rests on God's grace, but our faith rests on his power. One might say, but I thought, That we have to have faith even when we can't see something. So how can my faith rest on his power? Well, listen. Your salvation was bought with the blood of Messiah. He gives that freely to all who receive him. That's grace. Receiving a gift you did not earn, you did not deserve. That's the grace of God. Our salvation rests on his grace. But when God asks us to have faith in him, asks us to have faith in his kingdom and in his presence and what he's doing in the universe... He's not asking to have only blind faith. Ah, you see, I just triggered a memory. You might say to yourself, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. You see, Pastor Chad, right there, we probably cannot see things that we have to have faith in. Well, I'll remind you of this. It talks about not being able to see everything, but still having faith. But can I remind you that you have more senses than just eyesight? You can hear things, you can touch things, you can smell things, you can sense things internally, especially when you're flowing in the power of God. But notice, even in that very famous verse, Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I want to bring your attention to two very important words. First, the word substance. You see, faith is the substance. It has substance. It's not just a floating, vague cloud out in the air. It is something tangible. It's something you can seek your teeth into. It has substance, even in the definition of faith itself. It doesn't talk about faith being something you will never be able to grasp. No, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then it goes on to say it is the evidence of things that you don't see. So it has evidence. It has substance. You may not be able to see it. You may not have that one sensory element being connected. But you have other senses. You see, God never intended for us to even preach the gospel without power. He did not even send the apostles out without the expectation of power. He sends them out and says, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and return to me with all of the testimonies that were were, were flowing through you. Now... These words, substance and evidence followed the disciples because Yeshua gave them that expectation as he has given us today from Acts chapter one, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God never expected that we would ever have faith without evidence or substance. He never expected that we would go into the world and preach the gospel without sensing his backing and his empowerment. And can I just say this tonight, that if we did, if we were fruitful, we have the, uh, the, 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 the temptation to be arrogant. If we were fruitful and convincing people and there were lots of people coming into the kingdom and they loved our Bible studies and they were filling our congregations and they were saying, oh, what a great job you did. And we ever felt for a moment that we did that without the power of God in our life, we would become arrogant. So even in humility, it's important that we embrace the power of God flowing through our life. We see the evidence of God every day. We might not see it with our eyes, but we do see it and feel it and sense it with other of our sensory uh, elements. The substance that we're talking about. You know, you say to somebody, uh, do you you believe in the wind? Well, I, I believe in the wind. Can you see the wind? No, I cannot see the wind but i can see what the wind does i can feel the wind when it blows i can see the wind blow things you know do you believe in gravity i do believe in gravity gravity my belief in gravity changes the way i live it changes the decisions i make i can't see gravity but i can sense gravity i can sense what it does i can feel its pull and so faith is very similar that we have faith in god's power and we can sense his power we can flow in his power We can see what his power does for our lives and for others. And that's a big key I want you to take away from tonight's lesson. But Paul continues. That's not all he wants to express. He continues about this power of God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Remember salvation rests on his grace. By a gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So he links salvation with grace, and faith rests on the evidence of power. First Thessalonians chapter one. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. When the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Here's a challenge for us today. Here's the application. I think for far too long, we as New Covenant believers in this age, we've tried to live the believer's life without the expectation of power. We've gained a lot of wisdom. This is the most educated generation there has ever been. We have more books, more CDs, more downloads, more podcasts, more websites, more sermons online than we could ever listen to. We're the smartest generation in terms of information there has ever been. But even this won't accomplish the will of God. This won't accomplish the Great Commission if we don't allow the transforming power of God to enter us as was promised, if we don't go preach the gospel, lay our hands on the sick with the expectation of power, then we're not even flowing in the plan that God laid out for us as new covenant believers. So what does the power do? Let's say we embrace it. What does it do? Well, first of all, the power of God in our life needs to transform us. We're the the first recipients of the power. It needs to impact us. It needs to change the way we live. It needs to mold the way we think. It it needs to shape the way that we treat other people around us. It needs to shape our priorities in life, our time management, our resource management, who we spend time with and who we serve. The power of God needs to first transform us long before it can transform someone else. But step two is just that. The power of God is meant to flow through us through a clean vessel. A humble, not arrogant vessel. It's meant to flow through us so that we might impact the world around us. So first, the power of God transforms us. And second, it's used through us to transform the world around us. What does that look like? Well, in our life, it looks like character growth. An increase of the fruit of the spirit being evidenced in our life. It needs to be a renewed mind and holy living, righteous steps of our life every day. And when it flows through us and it touches the world around us, it needs to look like laying hands on the sick. It needs to look like having the faith to pray for deliverance when somebody is demon possessed. It needs to look like uh, helping to resolve conflict amongst our friends and our peers and our families. It needs to look like having major breakthroughs when people around us don't know what to do. They come and they say, can you please pray for me? And you And I need to have the faith in God's power to flow through us to lay our hands on that person and immediately begin to pray for them, expecting a breakthrough. Not just saying a lovely prayer so that they'll go away and feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, but rather having an expectation of a breakthrough is a big part of God's power flowing through us. Helping people move into freedom in their life. Listen, if we've learned anything through this extended lockdown period and regulations and restrictions of covid We've, we've learned that people need freedom. One of the biggest statistics coming out today is that depression is higher than ever. Thoughts of suicide are higher than ever. The pressure on marriages and finances higher than ever. And people are reverting to uh, elements in their life. They're reverting to self-soothing methods that are now causing bondage. So what's going to happen after COVID gives us a little bit more freedom and people are back in the congregation and we're able to preach the gospel uh, back out in public and invite people over to the house again. When all of this takes place, we're going to find there are more people in bondage now than there has ever been before. Part of the power of God and part of our message and the expectation of his power is that we're going to receive God's power to transform us and then let that power flow through us to transform others and to bring them into new freedom. On the one hand, what COVID has done for uh, the body of Messiah around the world, and I'm even here traveling uh, in North America now, and later I go to Europe. uh, What we're noticing is it's shaking off those believers who have not really grounded themselves and rooted themselves in the Word of God. But it's bringing new people to faith also who are hungry for freedom and breakthrough. And we as New Covenant believers need to be ready uh, for that message and that example. Let me remind you of this from Romans chapter one, verse 16. The apostle Paul says again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And I'll use that as as an easy segue. You see, the power of God was also intended for ancient Israel. They were never meant to come out of Egypt, cross the Jordan, And claim the land of inheritance and the covenant promise without God's power. They were never expected to just be a a well-trained military might. That their own military strategies were going to conquer all of these nations, these pagan nations. They were never meant to transform the nation of back then Canaan, now Israel. They were never meant to receive their inheritance, to separate the tribal lands, to settle the lands and to have a prosperous land of milk and honey, to bring God's word and his reality to the world. They were never meant to do that on their own strength. They were never meant to do that without God's substance and evidence of power. That's why God kept showing up because as long as Moses and Joshua and the leaders would have faith in the Lord, that he would lead them into battle Well, what did we see? We saw miracles one after the other. We saw the walls of Jericho fall down. We saw hail from heaven. We saw fiery hail. We saw the trumpets blow. We saw people blinded in the middle of battle. We saw victory after victory based on God's goodness, based on his power, not on the strength of Joshua. So even God's promise to Israel and their covenant land rested, their faith rested on the substance and evidence of God's power In their life. You know Israel was also called to be. A priestly nation to other nations. Uh, They were supposed to be an example. An example of what? Well Israel was always called to be an example. Of how God's kingdom on earth worked. Whether it was through the laws. Or through the judicial system. Through the priestly sacrificial system. uh, A way of atoning for sin. Or treating your neighbor. Or treating the foreigner. Or helping the poor. Israel was always meant to be the example nation among nations. And if Israel tried to do that in their own wisdom, in their own strength, they would have failed. But as long as the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel focused on being humble enough to receive God's power through them, to receive the power of his word and his spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit presence was right there in Israel. They saw miracles all the time. And as long as they walked in that, they got to be the example nation among nations. And friends, listen to me. I believe that's where we're headed again. Right now, the majority of the people in Israel, the Jewish people, don't believe in Yeshua, but they will. The Bible promises that they will come to faith in large numbers at the end of the age. We will once again be an example nation. How will we do that? Because number one, we're gonna let the Holy Spirit's power transform us First, the people of Israel, let it transform us. We come to faith in Yeshua. We're filled in the Holy Spirit. We see the new covenant in a new way. And then it flows through us and it begins to transform the nation around us. And then it goes beyond our borders and it transforms the nations of the world with what we believe will be the last great harvest of the age. And none of this will happen without the power of God transforming us. As a matter of fact, God doesn't even expect it to happen. God does not even predict it will happen without his power flowing through us today. At King of Kings, we don't uh, simply want to be a good story, a nice warm story of a congregation that's fruitful and a network of congregations throughout Israel that it's fruitful because we're such nice people. We're such good teachers. Our music is great. That's not the story we want to tell. We want to tell the story of God's power, how it transformed our lives and how it transformed the lives of people around us. We ask you to join with us in that vision as we walk it out forward. You see, as we come to the end of this age, we're going to need an increasing amount of God's power. Why? Because the darkness of the age is obviously rising. Corruption in governments, war, threats of uh, future war, nuclear, uh, nuclear advances. Uh, the poor are rising. You know, the, the, the disease is rising the world around us needs us to walk in God's transforming power now more than ever. It needs finally the believers to submit themselves to God. Let him shape us so he can use us. The world around us is desperate in their darkness for some freedom. And one thing that I have learned is this. When people become so desperate for a breakthrough, they're going to go to the person who they think can help them. And people are going to come to the body of Messiah. They're going to come to the kehilah. They're going to come and they're going to say, I heard that you had power. And friends, if we don't walk in that power, if we're not showing them the substance and the evidence that our faith rests on God's power, if it doesn't exist in our life, you know what the unbeliever who's desperate is going to do? He's going to say to the congregation, get out of my way. You don't have what I need. Get out of my way. What I need is Yeshua. What I need is the creator. What I need is his power. And if you guys don't have it, then get out of my way because you're blocking me from my breakthrough. But if we do have it, if we're walking it, if we have an expectation of that transforming power, we will be the house of prayer, the house of healing, the house of joy for all nations to come because they know that we are an example of the kingdom of God and his power on earth. I hope this word has encouraged you today. I know it was really encouraging to me today. And we remember a takeaway, God's grace, it is our salvation Rest on his grace. But our faith rests on the substance and the evidence of his power. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you for this ongoing uh, word that's alive and it's always giving us new revelation. We thank you that during this difficult extended season, even during our lockdowns in Israel where we can't meet together just yet, we thank you that you're still moving you're moving in power. God, I want to bring testimony of the, the Muslims that came to faith this month. I want to I bring testimony of the six Ethiopian Jewish people that were immersed in water at the Jordan this, uh, this past week. Father, I want to thank you for the French people who gave their heart to the Lord and the, and the religious Jewish people who, who came to one of our campuses and gave their heart to the Lord. All of this happened in the last two weeks. Father, this is wonderful that your fruit and your evidence is right there in front of us. Can we just open our hands and our hearts to receive more of your power, knowing that we were never meant to go forward in the Great Commission or even in our God-created destiny without the expectation of your power flowing and transforming our life. We thank you for that. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen, amen. Friends, we are encouraging you. Stay connected to all of our community groups. Stay connected to our prayer watches and our prayer times. Connect with us online if you've missed any of the archived sermons. And and, and really, this week, sit before the Lord and ask him, God, do I really believe that your power is going to flow through me? Do I believe my own message? How can I go preach the message of Yeshua's power to others if I don't believe it first in my own life?